Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately for greater yields and more profit. This episode is brought to you by ADS, Advanced Drainage Systems. Soil, sunlight, and water are the three most important resources in crop production. Let ADS help manage your water resource in a productive and sustainable manner. Advanced Drainage Systems, their reason is water. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. I'm your host, Damian Mason, and we have a fantastic topic to discuss today because I have the Miles Boys. That's right, Matt and Lane Miles of Miles Farms of Southeastern Arkansas. They've been on here before. You certainly know them. Matt is one of the founding members of Extreme Ag. His son, Lane, up and coming, brilliant young operator, working alongside dad there, setting some great yield uh, records and also doing some progressive agricultural practices. We're gonna talk today about planting less, but harvesting more. Yeah, you know what? Grandpa planted seed and then daddy did what grandpa did, but got a little bit better at it. And then you're out there saying, yeah, I'm now using better technology. I've got GPS, I've got auto steer, but I'm gonna bet that you're not, you're not varying much by what you've always done when it comes to the amount of seed you put in the ground, but you could benefit by reducing your population. What the Miles boys are going to share with us today is how they put in less seed per acre in their trial and got the same yield. In other words, you can save, sometimes it's not just about how many bushels, it's about also how many dollars you don't put in the acre. Imagine getting the same bushels per acre with less seed cost putting less seed in the ground. That's what we're here to talk about today. Planting less, but harvesting more. Mr. Miles and Mr. Miles, thanks for uh, your time today. Thank you for having us. All right. So you sent a neat little text here to the Extreme Ag guys, and I read it. And as soon as I read it, I said, we've got to tell our, our viewers and our members here at Extreme Ag about this. Uh, soybean production. Uh, let's talk about it because a lot of people that are in the extreme ag grow soybeans. You're in Arkansas. There's people in the Dakotas that are growing soybeans here in my home state of Indiana growing soybeans. And for a long, long time, uh, we, we did this thing where we went out there and we put about what one bag of soybeans, uh, seed per acre. Tell me about what you usually do and what you used to do and what you did this year different. Well, what we, what we, what we were doing in the past, uh, up until, Really, this year, I guess, is when we really started kind of attacking the, the situation. We were running somewhere between 150 and 160,000 seeds per acre. So we were actually putting more than a unit out. Uh, the first year we, when we set the, the state soybean record in Arkansas, we did it with 155,000 seeds. And that, you know, back to, like you said, what, what your dad did, you know, my dad was always one of the guys that, you know, if you don't have enough seed out there, you know, it's not going to work. And so, you know, I, I went with that same mentality. And then once you start having pretty good success with that higher seating rate, I say higher, it would be normal seating rate. Uh, you know, it's hard to want to change. We went from a single row, uh, 38 inch wide row to a twin row, 38 inch. And what we were seeing was when you split those beans up on, on the same bed, uh, it was a little harder to get a stand because you didn't have the pushing power of them being in a straight line. So they were staggered, uh, you know, on both sides of the bed. So, you know, we, at that point, we probably increased our population a little bit more just to try to, 
you know, get a, get a better stand. We was always scared of that. Um, Real quick, because I'm, I'm going to speak for Midwestern people like me. Um, when I was a kid, what we had, I think, 36 inch rows for a while. Then it was 30 inch rows. And then we uh, we got really crazy about in the 80s, especially we started getting a little better chemistry. We'd go out there with a drill. We'd drill soybeans at seven inches, then no-till drills. Then it made life real easy. Then no-till drills with uh, Roundup Ready soybeans, 1996. You went out and you drilled them, then you went over with a sprayer once or twice, and then you harvest them real easy. No-till drill. I and then we're going back to more spacing in my part of the world using 15 intros. Our, fel- our, our, form- our fellow uh, Extreme Ag uh, founder, Kelly Garrett, puts his soybeans on 15s. I'm not sure about Dan. Um, you're talking about 38 inches. And you said then you're doing twin rows on that 30 inch. Just because some folks are not used to what's happening there in that sort of uh, geography you're in, you're doing that because of water. Tell us a little bit about your crop system, Lane. Uh, our crop is, you know, we're on 38 inch raised beds and we're on, we're on the raised beds for, like you said, for irrigation. Uh, we, we have to put plastic tubing, plastic pipe on, on one end of the field and poke holes in it for water to run, run down through those middles. Uh, all of our fields have, uh, have pitched to them to where everything, you know, water runs downhill, uh, been like that forever, I guess. Yeah, ever since we were able to irrigate. Okay, so once you – and then you talk about on top of that bed, is the water down in the middle of the 38 inches or is it in inside the bed? It's down in the middle of the 38 inches. You know, right. and, in and then how much raised is that uh, – Is that how much raised is your bed where your seed's going? Uh, four, six inches, probably somewhere around there. All right, when you plant those raised uh, beds, you said something – your dad said something about twins. We're talking about now we're dropping a seed and then – Go a couple inches and drop another seed next to it. Is that what we're talking about? Seven, eight, yeah, they're seven and a half inches apart. So and they're, they're all, and inches apart on top of the bed. But they're and they're not in the exact same furrow. They're uh, sort of next to each other furrows. What we did is we took. Wait, 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 hey, wait, Lane. You just held up your hands for the people listening to this in their combine that can't see your hands. How far apart are those two little rows? They're they're seven inch. Especially it's two units. Uh, on that on, on where where everybody normally has one unit on one one row, we've got two units on one row basically, uh, and they're seven and a half inches apart in those, you know, each each furrow. Got it. So we got two furrows on top of the bed, is what I'm hearing. That's yes, right. sir. Okay. So when you're doing that way, um, it's still population's population because it still plants per acre. So you're you just described your system, but still it comes down to plants per acre. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that the Midwestern people or the Plain states could kind of get a visual of what you're doing that's a little bit different than how they might go about planting soybeans. But it still comes down to how many seeds per acre. You set a record in Arkansas, 155,000, Mr. Miles. And <clears throat> now you're saying, hey, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to start reducing that. Most people that are setting records would stick with what works. What's the old thing? If it ain't broke, and then you decide to start changing things. So go ahead and tell me about the mindset. And when you decide to do this, was it this year, last year, three years ago, when did this whole idea about reducing population come about? Well, when we started, you know, once we seen the kind of yields we could make in soybeans, you know, we're trying to figure out every way we can to improve. Started watching some of the data that was coming out, um, whether you're on, like you said, whether you're on a 30 inch, 38 or a 15 inch uh, row spacing, the, the, the research tended to show that you can make the same yield 
with lower populations. Now, how low is that? So, so two years ago, three years ago, if we didn't have a final population of 110 to 120,000, we were replanting. And what we got to seeing in the fields is sometimes we get down below 100 and maybe, maybe due to time, we wouldn't replant. Because, see, you got to factor in, uh, I think it's about a quarter of a bushel per day after April 15th in our area that you lose. So if you, if you plant April the 1st and you wait to the 15th and say, okay, I don't have enough seed. And then you start back over, well, you've lost bushels at that point. You said so after the, April 15th in your part of the world, which is southeast Arkansas, if you don't have your seed in the ground, you're starting to lose yield just because you're up against the clock on the seasonal performance of the, the crop. That's right. You're looking at probably between the last half of March versus the last half of May, you're probably looking at a 20 bushel difference in yield. Yeah, I mean, you go out there and put you put soybeans in the ground uh, May 1st in your part of the world, in Arkansas, you're not going to come anywhere close to what if you had put that in on April 8th. Yes, exactly. Or even March. Yeah. So, yeah, a month, a month could matter. We go earlier. We're getting more yield out of that also. So, so we, we started researching this and, and looking at a lot of other people's research. I mean, we were on a meeting. We're in a, a, a web meeting uh, last winter, and there was a guy on there that was that was going down to like what Kelly did down in the 30s. And between his 30s and his 140s, he was he was you know getting close to the same yield. So we, so the only way to do that is, is to is to do on farm trials on your own with your own farming practices. You know, because everybody's going to do things different. So we took a, we Rob wrote a script. Our agronomist wrote a script, a prescription a variable rate planting prescription, and we had blocks through the field of different populations. And uh, we, went in, we went anywhere from 140, which is what we planted across the farm this year, down to 60,000. And uh, that, yeah, that's... So dear, dear, dear viewer, if you're watching right now, Mr. Miles is holding up a sheet of paper. If you're listening to this, I encourage you to go uh, check out this video. If you're just listening to the audio, I'll tell you why, because our producer is going to take these images and put them into the actual production. So you can see what we're talking about. That way you can be comparing numbers. Long and the short of it is what they did is uh, show you the numbers so that you don't have to convert this to memory just by hearing it. We want you to be able to look at it. Go ahead, Mr. Riles. You you started it. It's the same field. We're not doing that thing of, well, I tried it over there, and then five miles away at the Smith Farm, I tried this. There's no debating. It was the same soil type. It was the same practices. It was the same amount of irrigation. It was the same field, right? It was, it was done in, hey. in multiple <laughs> less than one acre replicated probably 15 or 20 different times across the field, across the field. And it's the same variety, same irrigation, everything a hundred percent the same. And you're exactly right. You can't have a, a 40 over here that you plant one way on a 45 miles from there and plant it another way and expect them to yield the same. You can't even do that on a field. I can take a, 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 a field, an 80 acre field, and I can put a product on there and I can make it win or lose just by which side of the field I put it on, you know, because it, everything's not always the same. So you can look back at your, at your yield maps and say, okay, this 25 acres on the east side is always six bushels lower than the, than the rest of the field. So if I wanted a product to fail, that's where I'd put it. 
<laughs> and we're, when we're so when we're doing trials, we want to do them on equal where everybody's playing in the same in the same game. So by having this variable rate prescription planning prescription, we were able to replicate this across the field. And and both of them were in good soil types. Both of them were in medium soil types or whatever. This particular field happens to be pretty much the same from front to back. And that's what we try to choose. Yeah, I think it's important if anybody's going to try this on their own that they really do bear in mind because we all know the tendency. Well, you know what? I'm going to try this new uh, seed out. I'm going to try it over there on the Smith Farm. Well, the Smith Farm has other you know, uh, externalities that are going to come into it. It's, it's lays low, it's wet or it's rocky <laughs> or whatever that thing should be. So there's all those realities. So you got absolute standard soil type irrigation and location and climatology on this field. And you discovered, go ahead and run through your numbers real quick. 155,000 is what you did when you set a record. You didn't even go that high in this field. You went with 140,000 as your high Clear down to 60,000 seeds per acre as your low. And what's interesting to me, and please explain, what did you discover? We discovered that that basically you're looking at, a, at a, a bushel to two bushels difference across that whole thing. Right. But when I was putting this together, so I was looking at the seed cost, and I based everything on $65 a unit seed cost. And that was our average cost of soybeans this year plus the treatment that we put on Say, say it again. You base it on one, $65? $65 a unit seed cost. Okay. And, then, and then I used $10 soybeans. And why I did that was, you know, this test is not just for this year. You know, we're, we're looking at 12, you know, upwards of 1250 1260 for soybeans. But we may not have that next year. You know, we might we didn't have that two years ago. So I wanted to – I wanted to, and so you can put any number you want in here – uh, as far as, uh, you know, price of soybeans, the higher you go, the, you know, the more savings it's going to be. But I just used $10 because probably in the last three years, four years, that's kind of, you know, kind of been the average price. Um, I'd imagine $12 soybeans are going to be more than norm moving forward than $10. But either way, I like the fact that we went low. It's the old thing of if it can make sense at $10 beans, it sure as hell makes sense at $12 beans. $65 per unit seed cost. And uh, if we're doing that, uh, quick numbers in my head, you saved going from 140,000 seed uh, population per acre down to 60,000. You're talking about half a, half, a, half a unit. So there's $32 we just saved. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. But if you notice on there, you know, as, as you look down there, what I did to get, and I started out, first thing I wrote down here was after seed cost was ROI. And I had Rob look over at my agronomist and he said, you know, ROI is return on investment. He said, that's not really what we're looking at because we didn't invest in that much seed. So instead of looking at it from an ROI, it was more of a savings. Uh, you know, you're right. It's not an ROI. You got to invest to have the ROI. And this was actually a savings. So the way I did this, and I run it by Kelly and Kevin just to make sure, uh, you know, they kind of agreed, is I took the, the difference in the cost of the seed and then I added – the yield increase or decrease to that to come up with this savings over here. So as you see, 80,000 seed was, was the highest return because it was a bushel more and, and third, you know, third cheapest in, in seed cost. So the, the 60,000 was a bushel less and that's just using $10. We use 12 that, that would aggravate that number. So, you know, the sweet spot here was 80,000. 
the sweet spot in your experiment, and you did 140,000, 120,000, 100,000, 80,000, 60,000, 80,000 seeds per acre, which again is about half of what you did in your record setting year. Uh, and you said it was not uncommon that 150,000 was about what you thought you should put on every acre anyhow. So you're talking about almost half of that and you are looking at $38 an acre. There are people that uh, are old enough to remember $38 an acre might be your margin. You're, you're talking about that as savings. <clears throat> There's a lot of years when things are tough. $38 to just be your margin. Like if you made $38 an acre on all 2000 of your acres, it'd be like, Hey, that ain't bad this year. The way, Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's been a lot of years like that where you would, you would appreciate $38 an acre. As, um, as your whole entire operating margin. Okay. Uh, the mindset lane, you're younger. You don't have the whole baggage of being, you know, the same age as me and your old man uh, where you're like, I don't know, man. 30 years I've been doing it this way. And now we're supposed to change that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to do that. So tell me about the mind part of it with you. You're a young guy. You didn't have a whole lot of the baggage of here's how you're supposed to do it. Cause that's how I've done it for 30 years. Right. Yeah. I definitely don't have that, but the good thing about, and, and I'll pat extreme ag on the back a little bit is, <clears throat> is their mindset isn't necessarily like that either in my opinion, but just because, you know, they're all every, every one of those guys are always up to trying something different to see if they can better the way they've been doing it for the last 30 years. Uh, so, so I've kind of took that same mindset the whole time I've been farming. And, and if we can try something to save a little money or, or invest a little money to make a little money, I mean, I, I'm all for trying something, trying something new or trying something different or changing what we're doing. Uh, go and th this one is a little bit tougher. Uh, cause, cause, like I said, if you don't have the seed out there, you know, you, you may, they may or may not come up. Uh, you know, you've, the more you have, the more chance you have them have have a, a stand of beans. Uh, but through different research, you know, that Kelly's done, Dad's done, you know, uh, that we've done in the past, you know, we we do see that if you drop that down some, it you we can raise yields. Uh, so it makes it a little bit. A little bit easier to do, but that is risky not putting your not putting your seeds out there. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say the, the person listening right now, the first challenge they're going to come up with is they're going to say, because remember, you know how everybody likes to do it. And it does, it's not just farmers. Farmers are plenty bad about it, but it's salespeople, corporate types. Well, that works for them. <laughs> that never worked for me. Um, that's what they're saying right now, the, the naysayers or the people that are, are not going to be early adopters. You're biggest risk is that you put out half the amount of seed as you normally would have. And then you have only half germination. Now it's like, Oh crap. Is that the biggest risk? Yeah, that that's definitely the biggest risk. And I was that naysayer. Mm -hmm. uh, it took me a while to, you know, to, to get to the water, but what the biggest thing on soybeans we found, and this is for anywhere in the country is a consistent stand. So if you're out there and you plant 150 and you've got 90,000, Chances are, if you planted 150 and you've got 90, it's not consistent. You know, so that's where we were looking at these lower yields, at, I mean, lower seeding rates at time, and they wouldn't quite match up to the higher seeding rate is they weren't consistent. So if you you're in consistency of the seed uh, population across that acre, or do you mean germination consistency? Well, both uh, consistency in a, in a, so you take a row and you've got three foot skips in it or four foot skips in it, and then you'll have, a group of seeds together, you know, that's where I'm saying inconsistency. So you've got basically a lot of blanks uh, when you're looking at inconsistency. So, you know, that's the first thing you've got to do. Whether you're doing the 60,000 
or the or the one fifty thousand, you've got to have a consistent stand. Um, yeah. So if you're at 150 and you've got 90 and it's inconsistent, it's probably no different than having 100 and being at 60 and being inconsistent. So 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 that's your first thing when you walk into your field: is the soybeans consistent? Same thing with corn, cotton, rice, anything we grow. It's got to have a consistent stand. But you're just taking that high number down, you know, from there. And and that's what I wanted to say, you know, especially the naysayers being that I was one, you know. So if you're looking at my chart, 80, you would say, man, we need to be planting 80,000 because that's our highest return. Yeah. Right. Back to the $12 bean, the difference in 120 and 80 is a bushel and a half. So I'm, this is what my plan is this year. We went from 155 to 140, and we probably have the highest average we've had on soybeans ever, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, say, we're gonna say what you just said again. This year, you went from what to what? 155 to 140. Okay. I, I closed my eyes and did what the research said do: lower your seed population. Yep, and you did it by 10. percent Yep. And we and we and we ended up with the highest average we've we've ever had. This is going to be a farm record for us. Yeah. So you 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 cut back so. 10% less seed, which doesn't maybe sound like a lot, but again, you start putting 10% less seed and you run those bushels or those uh, seed bags over that many acres, uh, you know, a 10% less that $65 seed cost is six fifty right there. If you're, you know, using less of it. That's right. And if you look at Kelly's research, his lowest yield was his highest population. So, so his 150,000 population was his lowest yield and his second lowest yield was his lowest population. Mine just ran in there really consistent and, you know, within two bushels of each other. But I guess my point being, I'm not going to 80,000 because that shows the best return for your buck this year, because next year it might not be, but I'm probably going to lower from 140 to 120. And that, that to me, you know, we're only looking at a bushel and a half difference. So, you know, that bushel and a half is, is almost irrelevant. If you look at all these yields on all five, they're basically the same yield, 89 to 87. Right. So if Wait, you know, what, what you just told me is your 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 research showed that you could get by with 80,000 and do amazingly well, and that was your sweet spot, but you're not going to go to 80,000 in 2022 even though. You're going you're gonna to go less than 140, though. Right. I'm going to keep pulling it down till I'm comfortable – that, that this works. You know, a one-year study is not, if you go on a one-year study, it's kind of like a tissue sample. You're going to be chasing your tail all day long. So, so I'm, you know, I went from 155 to 140. Now I'm taking baby steps. So then I'll go to the 120 and I'm still saving, you know, a, a night, well, just on this test, a little less than $20 an acre, you know, maybe not the 38, but what if we get some really bad weather and I've got 80,000 planted, I'm guaranteed to plant over. The margin for error is so little, it's you know, minute, it's it's so big. I guess I'm saying the opposite. The margin for error is a lot greater the lower population you plant because you're looking at 90% germination. So you take 10% off of this just in germination. You know, so just because 60 or 80 looks the best on paper, don't mean in real world it's gonna do that every year. You've got you got you got insurance on your house for a fire. Yeah. You probably not gonna have it, but if you do, mm-hmm. you got it paid for. And that's where I go back to I'm not I'm not dropping that low. All right, but, now here's the thing for you, and I'm gonna talk to uh, Lane can chip in here just for the funds of it. 
you got 10,000 acres that you farm there at Miles Farms. Let's say soybeans are across uh, 4,000. Does that sound like right? Pretty close. Okay. Because you also do rice and you do uh, cotton and you do corn. And, and you're going to do some wheat next year, which we got to be talking about your big wheat competition between the boys. Would you consider, and again, you know, one year does not a, does not a trend make. And also uh, you can, you can pick winners and losers. You know, your old man, the former football player there, Lane, let's face it. You know, this kid says, I, I want a chance to get out there and prove that I can play defensive end. You say, okay, we're going to start you against Alabama Crimson Tide. Who's got a tackle. That's going to go uh, first round of the draft. That ain't much of a, that ain't much of a chance, right? right? You could pick, you could pick some chances that are pure winners or pure losers just by putting them into a system. <clears throat> they can purely win or purely lose. Would you consider taking acres that you know would perform with less population and would you say, you know what, Dad, let's take of our 4,000 acres, let's take 400 of these acres that we know are the most likely to perform and only doing 60,000 planting population on those 400 acres? Because then you're like, hell, look at the cost savings. We just saved ourselves, you know, $40 of seed per acre. Would you consider doing that? I would. I don't know about, about 400. 400 is a big number. Uh but uh, but it's only, I, per, it's only ten percent. It's only 10, if if you have a million dollars of to invest, and I told you let's take ten percent of it and put it into something more risky, you'd say, oh okay. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but uh, you got to realize we're on share in. He'd be doing that on my ground that I own, right? So I'd be the one coming up the loser if it didn't work. That's right. Uh-huh. You got you got good on ground that you're not going to turn over to the guy from the coffee shop. Okay, so you're saying what? I I, I do think that that. To some extent, at some acreage, we we will we'll definitely we'll, we'll drop our population down pretty low. Uh, because you know, it, like you said, if you do four hundred acres out of four thousand acres, or if you want to do four hundred and, and figure it over ten thousand acres, you know that brings that brings your number down just a little bit more. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we'll definitely try some some lower population to see if it works. I mean, you can't home farm testing. You know, small tests only get you so far. You know, if you test, if you say if we're testing varieties and we're doing strip trials, or we're only doing it on, you know, three, four, five acre strips, uh, that's still only a test. You know, right. you can't. You've got to take it to big acres to see if it will work on your farm. Uh, once you figure out that it's a possibility that it'll work with with the small test, then you then you put it to where you put it to you put it to the real test. Yeah, that was where I was going with this. All right, other things that you saw that either surprised you or that you learned from in your testing with uh, reducing yield. First off, we're all surprised that it basically was the same yield. Uh, disease problems. Uh, the fact that they had more space, was there less problems? Did it look to you like maybe you could have done less chemistry or less biology? Was there anything that you're like, you know what, if a whole field was this um, population, maybe we wouldn't have to do this. Did you see anything like that? Well, mostly what I've seen is, and, and I think Kelly's seen this too, uh, when he went down to the 34,000, is, is the, you can get them spaced out so far, two things can happen. You know, the base of the plant's going to look like a tree. Right. It would be harder for the sickle to, you know, to go through it. Right. And some of the branches will not support the weight, so they break off. You know, Kelly had a picture of a full limb, solid beans laying on the ground, and that was because he went down so low you know, if he could have picked those beans up, there's no telling what, you know, what they would have made. As far as, you know, it, it it would be a disadvantage as far as canopy closure. You know, we have a lot of Palmer pigweeds, so we need that quick canopy closure. So there's probably 
you know, that would be the disadvantages to the thinner beans. Uh, thicker beans, a little bit increase in disease, uh, less sunlight getting to the plant, less room for the plant to grow. So there's kind of, you know, you, you just got to, we're going to continue to work with this to see, you know, like when you're asking Lane about the 400 acres, you know, that's about, I, I did the math on that. The difference in, in, in 80 and 120, you know, on 400 acres is about $7,500. Well, you know, $7,500 is a lot of money, but but you can miss one insect spraying or you can have to replant later because you didn't get a stand and that number might go to fifteen to $25,000. Yeah. That's where I go back to the margin of error. Now, I'm not saying in five years we won't be planting 80000 And under And understand this, too. We watch, I, we continually are watching the weather as we're planting. Yep. And if we're going to get, if we're going to get heavy rains, we increase population. If we got a 10 day great forecast, we're going to, we're going to decrease population. So we're tweaking that. If, I, I probably tweak it in, you know, I, I, we change populations. I say, you know, from a, if it's, if we're planting and we're wanting to get some acres covered and we're in a, in a field that don't dry up, you know, a lot, and there's a rain coming, I may go up to 175,000 because I know with what's fixing to come, that I'm probably going to only get a hundred up, you know, and you're talking about because it's going to lay too wet. It's going to, it's going to, some of those seeds are going to rot just because it was going in a little bit moist and you had a bunch of moisture coming. So you're thinking there's going to be some, some rot. That's right. And then also looking at the wind, you know, we're looking at the wind because the wind blows 15 miles an hour for three days. We plant about a joint of your finger deep or a little less. So if that wind blows 15 miles an hour for five days in a row, there's a good chance that being the moisture, it can't find the moisture as quick as it's going to be drying out. So you've got all these different scenarios going on and, you know, and we're, we're steadily tweaking this, but instead of tweaking from, you know, from 180 to 140, we're going to be tweaking from 140 to 80. Yeah, so you're you're obviously making adjustments on the fly based on what the next two week weather window and soil conditions look like when they're going in the ground on April first or three four days worth of weather. Yeah, yeah. But but still, what we're in, in this whole scenario, what we're seeing is lower populations will be equal to or more than than the old what my dad did, you know, deal that we've been doing. Okay, I agree with you that we're going to ultimately be planting uh, lane. Five years from now, are you going to look back at the populations you used to plant and say, God, when I was still young starting out, are you going to look back and say, we're doing like half of that now? Is that what we're going to be talking about five to 10 years from now? I hope so. What about the seed companies? Um, they make a they make a money selling seed. They're probably not really enjoying this discussion or these trials that we all are doing here at Extreme Ag. Yeah, they're probably not real happy with the fact that we're lowering population. Uh, you know, but we're seeing that. Uh, in, in every crop we grow, maybe not so much corn, you know, corn we're, we're still playing with, uh, but like in, in our cotton, you know, we're seeing that our population, man, what I used to plant cotton before they come out with all these traits, you know, we couldn't afford to plant it after that, <clears throat> but you know, the, we reduce seed population on cotton. We've seen that work, you know, we're doing it on soybeans. Uh, we've done it on rice with the hybrid rice. So, so all the research tends to show that that lower seed populations work better and the and more expensive the seed has gotten is what's pushed us into trying these things yeah so if we're trying to wrap it up for the listener and viewer um first off it's not it's not uh it's not bad that you're still kind of making the decision 
as you're getting into spring based on current conditions and projected week in front of your conditions. You guys just said you do that. Biggest risk is you don't have a lot of seed out there and you have some sort of a poor germination year. Now we replant in my part of the world uh, sometimes because of flooding, you know, you put it out there in May and then it either rots, doesn't get warm, whatever. So replanted soybeans and, and replanted corn happens in my part of the world, maybe it does yours as well. But the biggest risk you think is germination. Matt, you spoke about another risk. If you get those plants so spar- spread apart like Kelly did, you're going to have a soybean uh, base of the plant that's like a little tree. So that <laughs> goes slower. Is that what you do? Or you just replace sickle bars? What the hell are you doing? Well, we hadn't done enough of it to really know. So, okay. you know, I'm going to say I'm gonna say all of the above. You're going to have to go forward to get it to feed in, and yeah. you're probably going to do a little bit more damage to your, you know, to your sickle bar as you're going. And you did say there's limitation on that plant. We've been breeding soybeans for a long time. They're not bred to have, like, uh, you know, the weight of an apple tree hanging off its branch. You said that some of the plants fall over because they, they're occupying that space and they're flowering out and it's getting too heavy. Is that the deal? Yeah, it's almost like you're taking one plant and putting three plants to that one plant. So those limbs are having to support what a whole plant used to support. You know, there used to be the story that we did that with poor turkeys. We bred turkeys to have this great big old breast. Everybody wanted turkey breast for them. The damn turkey just like falling down all the time. Is that what we got going on with these soybeans? Uh, Absolutely. Same thing. (laughs) Uh, Other key takeaways than the person... You would encourage anybody listening to this to experiment with lower population of soybeans next year. It sounds like that's a given. You should try it, right? Yep. And, and, and I would, like I said, I was a naysayer. I, I think try it on a small, if you're nervous about it, you know, try it on a small amount of acres. Always, always be careful not to do too many changes if you're doing something right. You know, there is something better. There's always something better. But be careful about doing too much of that, too much of a good thing. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Can get you in trouble. All right. So uh, germination is the risk. If you go lower, go ahead and try it as your recommendation. And then there are some plant limitations. But as far as treatment, then you didn't change anything from once they went in the ground until you harvest them. It was still the same fungicide, still the same uh, nutrients, biologicals, whatever you did. You didn't change any of that. 100% the same. Uh, and then. Uh, any last things that we didn't ask that we should have asked about reducing your population on soybeans and still getting high yields? Uh, not that I could think of other than just be careful and try small amounts of it, you know, like we did. You know, we, we probably got 15 acres, 15 to 20 acres of that field uh, that, that we did this on. So, you know, we didn't go out and do 400 acres. But next year, we'll probably do this on 80 acres, and then we'll have maybe 100 acres at the 80,000 you know, and then the rest of it at the 120. But, I mean, we're still saving, you know, even on $10 beans, we're saving $20 an acre just by reducing that. Yeah, like I said, when we run, and by the way, dear listener and viewer, again, uh, our, our producer is going to make sure that he puts up these uh, these graphics that uh, that that uh, Matt compiled. We heard about the voice of experience, voice of, voice of youth here, uh, Lane. Closing thoughts on this. You're going to end up, let me just get this straight, by the time you're like your old man's age, a drone flies over and drops a seed like every couple of feet. And that's going to be how we plant, right? That's all we're going to have to do. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, I'm not sure that's about it. But anyway, anything else from the, from the voice of youth, is this, is this the right thing for us to be doing? It seems like it is also 
environmentally, you're not having to produce and truck as much seed. We can solve that as an environmental story, can't we? Hey, look, we're we're, we're using less resources because seed is a resource. That's right. It's kind of like it's kind of like doing the bare brake fertilizer. You know, if we can if we can figure out where we need to place the the fertilizer or where we need to place what seed, then we're using less of it. There's more for other people. When you brought up, he brought up a good point, the variable rate, you know, so we've done, we're working with that too on variable rate, seeding rate. So you can increase that seed in the places where you know you have trouble getting stands and then probably go down to 60,000. Now we're going to do this next year is we'll have a variable rate seeding prescription, you know, where the best ground is, we'll be at the 60 and where the worst ground is, we may be at the 140. Now, what I'd like is us to do an episode when you've done that, because then you can bring in that map because you guys were the same two that did the fantastic episode where we talked about utilizing data to improve your bottom line, because now you know where your resources are going. Now we do an episode next year. You say, here's a field, Damien, 160 acres over here. We were only down to 58,000 seeds per acre, but over there it was 158,000. And across the field, we did this many, and then you can give us the results because that'd be a cool thing. Variable rate seeding is obviously going to be a thing, just like variable rate fertilization is what you're saying, right, guys? Right. And then, but even even with that, we'll still bring down the total per acre across acreage because we're going to be more efficient about its use. So, the old days of 160,000 seeds per acre, I think, is done. Is that what we got a concurrence on that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Till next time, I think that you've heard a lot about uh, planting less but harvesting more, and we encourage you to experiment with it. If you want to learn more about this, you know what? You can have a direct line to Matt and Lane Miles by joining. That's right. You could join the Extreme Ag. It's real simple. Go to Extreme Ag. There's no E. Extreme ag.farm and you can become a member for a very very low cost for uh, pennies per uh, per day basically you're you're talking about being able to join this and have direct access you can get a hold of the lane uh, and matt miles of the extreme ag and find out what they're doing so i encourage you to do that go to extreme ag.farm and figure out how you might even up your game more until until you decide to do that you can always tune in here to cutting the curve it's extreme ag's uh, effort and outreach to help you be a better more productive and most importantly more profitable farmers so you can pass it on pass on your legacy till next time thank you matt and lane yes sir till next time it's extreme acts cutting the curve that's a wrap for this episode of cutting the curve but there's plenty more check out extremeag.farm where you can find past episodes instructional videos and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions. 